Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mbidiwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into, you know, quite a fascinating discussion. Um, you know, on Mondays, we tend to um, sometimes focus on uh, consumer issues, and no consumer issue is as close to people's hearts uh, than what they feed themselves, and a very big portion, um, you know, of, uh, you know, of the budget that goes um, into what people are eating on a daily basis in South Africa um, is meat. And for today, we are going to be having a discussion just around what's been going on now, because one of the discussions that, um, you know, we continue to have is this issue of inflation and how all of it is affecting um, the South Africans, you know, because of everything that's going on. Uh, but for today, we are zoning in on the meat um, industry just to understand how um, all of the macroeconomic issues that we tend to focus on um, in other discussions, talking to economists are now factoring into, you know, that particular discussion. And to help us to understand, you know, everything that is going on, uh, we are joined by uh, Marcel Pinar, uh, who is the brand marketing manager over at uh, Escort. Um, And then uh, we also have Paul Matthew, uh, who is the CEO of the Association of uh, Meat Importers and Exporters uh, and a contributor to chicken fats. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of what's going on, um, we are going to, you know, first start with Marcel uh, just to give us a little bit of insight into the nature of their business. Uh, I'm sure that anyone who's, you know, who's been shopping, you know, for years now, it's not, it's one of those brands that is, you know, quite a household name, um, you know, that is Escort. But we will um, just give Marcel just a little bit um, of time to introduce the company and maybe a little bit of the work uh, that. Uh, she's doing there. Uh, Marcel, over to you. Good afternoon, everyone. Hi, Madiwa, and thanks for having us. So my name is Marcel Pinar, and I'm the group marketing manager at Escort. And I believe we have a very interesting discussion today at hand, and that's the tightening of belts of um, consumer spend. You know, because of everything that's going on, we know that currently um, one of the main drivers of these high food inflation is because of the war in Ukraine. Um, And that everyone is really um, experiencing some price inflation, hyper price inflation, if you call it that. Um, So at Escort, essentially uh, what we'd like to say today and what we'd like to chat about is just really how pork ladders up with uh, regards to other meat proteins and how we see a shift in some certain meat proteins move along to to pork protein. So that's essentially what um, we'll be discussing today from our end. All right. Now, looking forward, um, you know, to that part, um, especially that thing we always talk about uh, in uh, in economics. We talk about, you know, op- opportunity cost. Um, you know, what does one thing, you know, mean in relation to another? Uh, but the other concept is something that they call substitution. And I think that's, uh, you know, what Marcel's hinting at a little bit. And we're going to be getting into that. Um, but, uh, you know, before we go on, Paul, um, you know, just your take just around um amie yes hi we do good day to you and your listeners so the association which is the association of meat importers and exporters known as amy we are established uh, via a membership base so we represent uh, around 66 um, companies um, that do a lot of uh, meat imports and obviously that membership includes suppliers as well and we are we are the voice piece between the industry 
and with government. Um, so our role really is to look at policy, look at tariffs, um, and to ensure that there is fair trade um, within, the, within the industry. And obviously our discussion today has been very much around the South African consumer, especially the, the lower LSM consumer, where we, we probably supply 20% of that market with uh, a bone in chicken. And obviously with the current tariffs and new, new, new tariffs actually pending this week um, is going to drive the price up. So we are looking on how we can, we can help the consumer and work with government to reduce those tariffs and reduce the cost at the end of the day to the consumer. I think it may be a good place, you know, for us to, you know, take this on now that we understand what's going on. Um, one of the common themes, you know, that we are all agreed on, um, even from the beginning, is the fact that, you know, inflation is a thing um, when it comes to meat. Uh, Marcel, I'm going to, you know, start with you on this one, um, just to maybe get a sense of the type of products that you guys as escort um, are selling to give us an insight into what inflation is looking like for those, um, you know, specific, um, you know, meat products. Because earlier on, you did hint at the fact that because of what's going on um, with the different um, inflations, you see people, you know, moving towards, um, you know, different types of meat. Uh, I would assume that these are the cheaper meats, uh, but, uh, you know, maybe you can explain to us what's actually going on. So the reality is Escort offers a, a, a vast basket of products. So we have the more expensive products, which is our, our fresh meats. But then we also offer products for our more price-sensitive consumers, so our lower income and middle income consumers, which is predominantly focusing on Vienna's, Polonies, our livers and bacon spreads. And what we are seeing is that there's a quite a big shift in the move of fresh meat into some of the other products that we provide, these being the Polonies and Viennas, as I previously alluded to. There's still a lot of purchasing of fresh meats, but where we see consumers are battling the most, and these are especially our low and middle income consumers, we're seeing this massive shift into some of the other products that we do provide. So we almost call them our processed products, um, Viennas, Polonies, um, and definitely at least these offer high quality alternatives and meat proteins that still can feed the full families. And then um, maybe just a quick, just a quick follow up to that one, uh, you know, Marcel. Um, earlier on, you did, you know, mention the fact that um, there is this uh, this shift that you're saying, and you've just articulated for us, you know, some of the more um, affordable options that you guys have, you know, spreads, polonies, you know, all of that stuff. Um, when you guys on balance, right? Um, despite the fact that people, you know, are making that shift towards some of the cheaper products on the whole are people this is sort of like a a, a, a bad on a on a uh, on balance are people still consuming meat at the same rate that they were the question i'm asking is more about um has has the inflation caused people to buy less of your goods or are they still buying uh, meat at the same rate by just opting for the cheaper goods is the question i'm asking and, and so that's a that's a very interesting question. And when we look at the South African consumer as a whole, we're a meat consuming nation. Um, and we know that more or less 80% of consumers consume meat twice a week. So there's definitely this need state for consumers to, you know, get their protein fix, but still via meat. 
And so what we're thinking is, one, uh, like we mentioned earlier, is that consumers are shifting to a slightly more inexpensive meat protein. But what we're also finding is that there's a shift within the protein that consumers are, are actually purchasing. At the moment, pork is a half as expensive as that of beef and almost a third of the price of lamb. So we're seeing that there is a shift where consumers are having a need for fresh meat proteins, that there is the shift into the into the pork industry. So when there's these extreme price hikes and food inflations, it's actually a good thing for the pork industry because we see a, a element of shift from the type of meat protein shifting into this pork category. Okay, I think that's, uh, that certainly gives us uh, a little bit of a fuller picture on that one. Paul, I'm going to bring you in on this one just to talk about some of the price dynamics, um, you know, that you're seeing, you know, on your industry. We've spoken quite a bit about pork um, on the side, uh, you know, of Marcel. I understand um, you have, you know, quite a bit of uh, insight into what things are looking like over on the chicken side of things. Yes, sir. I actually agree with uh, what Marcel is saying. So if, if you take the, the, the lower LSM, is that um, obviously, and the, the population that's, that's living off grants, you know, when they go into a shop um, and they're going to fill their basket, the main priority is obviously going to be mini meal and oil. And then they're having a look, you know, there's a hundred rand left. Uh, for the basket and, and and what protein are they are they going to go for, and there's no doubt that there's definitely a swing to a more affordable protein. Where in the past um, the consumer would have gone straight for a good bone in chicken protein. So what has happened is that the local chicken producers are always seeking protection. So they, and I'm sure you'll see in the media, they are always pushing that imports are harming and actually damaging the the local production, which is not really the case. All they do is that they seek protection, they seek these tariffs, because once the tariffs are applied, then all they do is they match the tariff that allows them to get a um, a more um, X factory for their their, uh, product. As South Africans, we enjoy bone-in chicken. So if you have a look at Europe and the rest of the world, it's very much different where they like the breast meat, the white meat, uh, where South Africans enjoy more the bone-in. So this is what the local guys have really been pushing for, is tariffs on on the bone-in. And um, Minister Patel, three years ago, set up the, the poultry master plan and spoke about... Um, no more protection, rather grow your companies by export. And, you know, three years down the line, the local producers haven't done anything about export. And as Amy, we feel if you grow the export market and you're pushing out the breast meat, instead of putting the breast meat into what they call an IQF pack, and that's a two kg packet you often see in the freezers, which has breast meat in and has bone in, um, rather export that, um, get a better revenue for that cut. And then that should alleviate the price for the saffron consumer on, on the burning. But that's just not, not, not happening. So as Amy, we turned to the minister and we, we asked the minister to please reconsider tariffs and, and, and give the industry almost a three-year moratorium whereby um, we could assist the consumer in terms of bringing that price down on the, on, on the bone, especially in the 20% um, on the lower income 
um, consumer who already feeling the pitch. So what has happened is that um, exactly what Marcel is saying is that the consumer is now at the till, and if you look at their baskets, they have an alternative protein than what they used to be buying in terms of boning chicken. Um, Paul, just uh, as a follow-up to what you're saying, uh, because you're talking about, uh, you know, the bone-in and then the, you know, how to maybe have that swap of sending, you know, certain cuts, certain types of chicken, let's say, out of the country, and then you keep certain certain cuts in the country, you alleviate some of that price pressure. Talk to us about uh, the import-export dynamics when it comes to, um, let's say chicken, for example, right? How much of it is coming in uh, versus how much of it, uh, as in in terms of domestic consumption, right? Um, are we producing the chickens? Are we producing everything that is being eaten here? Um, what's the dynamic between what is produced and what we are sending out? So as Africans, um, as, as the local poultry sector, they are supplying about 80% of the chicken consumption in, into the country. So there are certain, there are certain cuts like um, chicken wings, drumsticks and that, that the local producers just cannot meet that demand. So we, we call it balancing the carcass. So what they do, they, they cut up the, the, the carcass ready to meet the quick service um, operations. So, so they are very sort of uh, tailor-make their business to, to, to supply fast food. Um, and the, the other sort of portions go into IQF packs and all that sort of stuff. So they don't really get the best out of the carcass. So if you have a look at the rest of the world, where South Africa grow the chickens to about 1.2 kilos, um, the rest of the world actually, especially Brazil, they grow about 1.5, 1.6, and maybe a little, a little bit bigger. So they get a, a sort of better value out of the bird than what the South African producers do. And then what happens is that they take the carcass and they know that Europe obviously um, likes the white meat and they put all the white meat into Europe. And obviously, as South Africans, we get a lot of importation um, from Brazil, which is the, the aboning. But what has happened since uh, March 2020 is that there have been so many uh, tariffs applied. So in, in March on burning, we saw a further 62% on um, a, a tariff imposed by government through the local guys, um, which basically now has put the importation of bone meat right out. So, so we, we currently sit about 50, 53% down in terms of what was being supplied. So as the South African poultry industry cannot supply the demand for poultry into this country. So, so we play in a space of about 20 cents, uh, 20% where we fill that, we fill that gap. However, all what's happening now is that um, through the tariffs is that we're just seeing the lower end stuff come through like offals and, and chicken feet and that sort of stuff. Um, so, so the boning market has become very expensive for us to 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 import, and basically, what's happened now? The local guys are supplying that, but obviously at a much premium price, uh, which is affecting the consumer. So that's the dynamics at the moment in terms of on on the poultry side. Um, about um, import. All right. Uh, Marcel, I want to bring you in here to sort of, um, you know, maybe get um, a sense because 
One of the things that is quite clear from what Paul is saying is the fact that, um, you know, those import-export dynamics do have um, quite a bit of an influence in terms of the pricing that we end up seeing, um, you know, when consumers are at the shops. Um, but I wanted to touch on the fact that, uh, you know, as Escort, you guys have identified a big opportunity, um, you know, for pork producers, you know, that type of thing. Um, and to maybe get a sense of... Um, if there is this big uh, market, you know, that you're saying people making that substitution, um, you know, away from things like beef, you know, the, the pork industry, can they, you know, at the moment actually, um, you know, cope um, with the demand that is likely happening given the figures uh, that you guys, um, you know, have, um, have released. And the reason I ask that is because uh, we often see in situations where if you have, you know, a spike in demand for a certain good, uh, we might, uh, it, it only makes sense that we may expect some type of a price increase. So um, how do you see that playing out? So I'll start off by just adding to what Paul said and, and exact same happens in the pork industry where we have to balance the carcass and certain elements and cuts we actually do get from, from abroad. And we know that those cuts specifically are getting extremely expensive in the South African market. One example is for argument's sake, buying of ribs. And I'm sure each of you could contest to that as to how expensive that's become purely just because of the demand locally is so high. But what we're seeing, like we said earlier, is that the shift is moving towards um, more of our less inexpensive products. Um, and what we're doing from an escort perspective is we're also making sure that we are extending uh, the ranges that we provide to our consumers. So extending the ranges of vianas and sausages and, and products to enable more variety to consumers, um, also create appeal for various taste profiles. But... Um, with regards to supply, supply will at some point still become an issue. The pork price is still under some threat. But over the last four years, we've seen how over time the pork industry has has expanded and grown. So for the time being, we are still keeping up with the, the supply that is required. So, um, you know, the demand currently. But in future, we do anticipate that we might see that there's more demand than what we can actually supply. So we're not naive about the fact that the pork price will remain stable. Uh, we also know that um, this impending war is not necessarily going to end um, very soon. So we, we do um, anticipate that the price will probably in future still go up. Um, and that's just because of all the, the external factors that influence price, but also that we see that to some extent, that the supply will be under some some pressure in future. And then when it comes to um uh I'm I'm not drilling down into you know pork itself and you know some of those things like your like your Viennas etc. Um you know those prices what 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 has happened is it just a, have those prices remained um, you know where they've been um we obviously down the line like you said uh, we might have some pricing pressure but for now have those uh, some of those prices remained stable um as the manufacturer and the supplier of the products we're trying to keep price increases to a minimum 
But what we are seeing is that, for argument's sake, our plastic is on the increase. The steel clips on a polony is up at 30%. So inevitably, there's a lot of elements that outside of just the pure production will force us to some extent take some price increases on those products. But what we're trying to do as, as suppliers is to minimize the price increase by finding some efficiencies within our production and our supply chain so that we don't pass on all of the price increases to the consumer. You know, one of the one of the things I'm enjoying the most about having this discussion with uh, with both Paul and Marcel is just highlighting. Um, we often we always talk about the universal factors. Um, you know, when we're talking when we're having other discussions about investing and the economy, etc. And it sort of seems the same that you know, for meat producers, um, there's a universal factors that are sort of coming in. You might be as a producer um, and supplier of let say you know pork in an industry like what Marcel is saying you might be trying to keep prices down on your end but your input costs on other ends plastics uh, some of the steel clips etc you might be seeing those pricing pressures and it's very interesting you know just how much goes into um, the food that uh, you know we're all consuming um Paul is it not tempting at the moment, uh, just given everything that's going on for local producers, uh, despite all the demand that is happening, isn't it, um, uh, what do you call this, isn't it tempting for local producers to sort of sh- maybe not shy away, but rather prioritize um, export markets, you know, in favor of some of those higher prices and, you know, getting, um, taking advantage of a foreign currency type of re- uh, receiving um, opportunity at the moment, just given everything that's going on. Yeah, I agree. But before I answer that, just to add on to what Marcel was saying, and you were saying yourself, I think you have to also have a look at the variables within the world, what, what is happening in those, which is driving the input costs. So just talking about a pork ribs, I mean, if you have a look around the world, especially Europe, there's a huge um, breakout of African swine fever, which hits pork. So already that market has been closed to South Africa. So there's only one market open currently, which is really um, Brazil that is supplying the pork rib. So as soon as you have that situation, obviously it's a supply and demand effect and that uh, starts to raise the uh, cost of of the protein, and it's also happened very much in the in, in the chicken side as well with avian influenza, which has affected America and which has affected Europe. So one's always going to look as well. Um, besides the the war between Russia and Ukraine on fertilizers and input costs that actually drive the price up as well. So if we talk about exports, yes. I mean, if you have a look at South Africa and have a look at our wine and fruit exports and what um, foreign forex that brings into the country, it, it, it's, it's huge. But the problem with the, the local chicken producers is that they do not meet the standards that the rest of the world require in terms of raising chicks um, and obviously the chicken product at, at, at the end. So one of the challenges have been um, is that is to try and get the EU market open um, to export that breast meat. But the local producers have to change what they call their biosecurity. So they, they, they have to change the methodology they use and the input such as hormone injections and all that they put into the chicken, they need to change that in order to get acceptance to export. And that's where we really hit the brick wall because um, I, do not, I do not believe that the local producers really want to 
to to actually change their their production because understandably it's going to be quite expensive. Um, and you know their argument is that expense versus the exports should they get the export opportunity is it going to be worthwhile? But obviously one doesn't know until they start that um, process. So that is a huge huge challenge. So. I don't see um, the local guys exporting in huge volumes in the near future unless they really make that business decision to change that model. Yeah, no, most certainly. And, you know, from that point of view, have, has there been any progress, um, Paul, just around, you know, the, the those tariff discussions that you guys are having um, with government, with the minister, etc.? Not a word. So not a word. So we, we approached the minister Patel in April, for the monitorium of three years. Um, he hasn't replied back to us. Uh, we haven't heard from him. You will see in the rest of the world, you can have a look at the Philippines, Mexico, um, where they have really made that call where they've dropped all tariffs to help their consumers, their population to reduce the, um, the cost. So the trend is happening very much in the rest of the world, but unfortunately there's no movement from the South Africa side. All right, and um, when it comes to when it comes to the opportunity for pork um, at the moment, and those uh, you know movements between your know, different types of protein, uh, do you see any other you know type of protein maybe competing with you guys on the pork front? From a pork perspective, I think our, our biggest um, competition is really just um, inflation. I think, and I think um, most of the shift is, is actually at at um, side of meat proteins. Because when consumers, and especially our low-income consumers, cannot even afford um, some of our less expensive products, we do tend to find that they move out of uh, out of uh, meat protein, especially. Um, mostly, then it goes to you know a lot of the income is spent on grains, is is what we find. So hopefully, we can provide some products um, at some level that we can still still feed the consumer that's under a lot of pressure. All right. So that's been a very fascinating discussion. Uh, we were we were talking just around the dynamics over in the meat industry, and we focused specifically on what's going on over in the world of chicken and going in the world of pork, um, because uh, people, uh, this is a very big thing in South Africa. I think uh, both Paul and Mar- so articulating the fact that South Africa is a big um, meat-eating country and uh, that at all income groups, um, having some type of protein is very important to people. Uh, hence the discussion just around how people are moving between the different uh, types of proteins, just given um, all of the inflationary pressures that people are facing. One of the more interesting things that is coming out is this shift, um, as we said, between you know the different meat groups, uh, for example, the beef, um, I think that was um, one of the ones that was spoken about earlier on to say that um, that is that tends to be the expensive ones, and we see um, people coming in uh, to some of the um, you know some of the other meat products that are in the market. Uh, but that you know, as the cycle does continue, you do have pricing pressures even in uh, you know your meat products such as pork. Um, when you look at some of the other input costs, uh, 
that uh, manu- that uh, producers such as Escort are facing. And then Paul just highlighting the fact um, that the import-export dynamics uh, that South Africa faces at the moment, local producers having about 80% or so of uh, the local market, uh, factoring into um, how uh, how those pricing dynamics work and how uh, that mix of imports and exports could actually be uh, tailored a little bit more, you know, just so that we could ease uh, some of the pricing pressures uh, that we do have, um, you know, from a consumer point of view. So that's been it. Thank you so much to Marcel Pinar, who is the brand uh, marketing manager over at Escort, as well as to Paul Matthew, who is the CEO of uh, Amy, as well as a contributor to Chicken Facts. This is Mudiwa's Take. This is a very fascinating discussion around uh, the meat industry, and I think it's one of those things. Once again, as a, as our as we were talking earlier on where all of the inflation issues that we keep talking about from a microeconomic level, seeing how that uh, then filters, you know, to people's uh, pockets. We've tended to speak quite a lot about the fuel price. And I'm sure by now everyone has become a an oil price uh, type of expert understanding all of those dynamics. But how do all of those different, those specific dynamics, uh, because we did speak about the Russia-Ukraine war, how does all of that now feed into what people are literally feeding themselves, right? So a really fascinating discussion from um, that point of view. And then the other one is the fact that um, you do see all of the substitution happening uh, because uh, a lot of people tend to like beef, though those that do eat meat, because obviously this is not a discussion that um, necessarily affects uh, people that uh, don't eat meat at all. But given the fact that uh, the majority of people in the country do eat meat, it's one of those discussions um, that consumers will be particularly interested in. And that cycle, you know, I think that's definitely going to be the thing to watch over time to say how long can, let's say, that substitution effect um, actually work for, right? Uh, people moving to some of the lower priced products in the market, uh, switching your protein um, options, let's say, away from beef towards, let's say, chicken and pork, and etc. Right. Um, how do, how long does that last for before uh, the demand impact on those lower priced goods actually forces uh, all of those price increases? And as Marcel was articulating, you do have your input costs that also factor in and sort of multiply. Um, you know, that. And then you have Paul then coming in with the import-export dynamic also feeding into it. So how pri- how meters priced um, in the market going forward uh, will be a fascinating watch. And then it will also be fascinating to see how South Africans continue to consume, you know, over time. Will these goods um, continue to be as popular as they are right now? Or will people then switch back? Um, because let's say, for example, the prices for some of these goods uh, start rising, right? Does Will people then switch back and say, well, I might as well just switch back to where I was before because the prices are almost the same? Or will the consumption habits have become so ingrained uh, that people continue um, eating pork as much as possible? So we do wait to see how that develops over time. But uh, nonetheless, it's very fascinating to watch.
And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Murio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.